Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now that you would speak and teach us as your word is a great revelation of your grace and your heart toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the gospel account, we see this account that maybe a lot of you have read before, or you've heard before. Jesus led into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And Satan didn't play fair, if you notice that, right? Satan said, oh, okay, so it's also, if you're going to say it's written, I'm also going to tell you where it's written. And, and again, so you have kind of this battle of, of God's word versus God's words, right? So some people will take God's word and they'll twist it a little bit. And they'll make it distract you from it being about Jesus and about God only. We read in this account that he is being tempted. Now we find ourselves in the early part of Lent. Lent began Wednesday, this last week, and it consists of the 40 days of Easter. Now, you might count from Wednesday to Easter, April 12th, and say, well, that's 46 days. It is. We don't count Sundays as part of the Lent season. Um, They are Sundays in Lent, not Sundays of Lent. And some of that is because we still want to rejoice in the risen Lord. And so Sundays, you know, if if we spend 46 days not focusing on the risen Lord and only the suffering Christ, we can get pretty depressed. And uh, there's not enough coffee in the world to sometimes get us out of that. So the practice of Lent, though, began in the 6th century church as a time to reflect upon the sacrifice of Christ and the days leading to his crucifixion. Lent is a season where we intentionally focus more diligently on Christ and we are reminded of the frailty of our humanity. Now, I mean, the reality is, as Christians, we should want to always be saying, how can I focus on Jesus? How can I focus on what he's done for us and for me? And, and, but the reality is we're distracted people. And so God in his infinite wisdom put on the church fathers in the early church to say we're going to have seasons that we're going to celebrate. You even see that in the Old Testament. There are all these feasts. And all these feasts were to do what? To get people to move to where they look to God. These times of Lent, these traditions that we hold to are not so we can say, oh, look how good of a Christian I am because I did this thing. It's so that we would truly say, Lord, you're, you're guiding me in my distracted world to a moment and guiding us as a community of believers to where we together are saying we want to know more of the sacrifice of Christ and we want to have Easter Sunday be so amazing because we have gone in greater depth to understand what he has done for us. And I don't know if you could ever truly comprehend what Christ has done for you, but I think he can give you an ability to say, Lord, I am so amazed that you loved me this much. Now, we have a problem in American Christianity. We desire happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. In fact, there's a lot of people like, I'm only going to go to a church where I feel good every time. I'm only going to hang out with people that I feel good with all the time. Well, you know what? That's not real. How many of you are happy, happy, joy, joy every moment of every day? And if you are, you're probably medicated. No, but I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, I think the reality is you've been around those people who are like are a forever cheerleader. Have you known those people? And you're like, oh man, it's too much for me. You know, do you ever have a moment where you're not cheering for something? And, and we should be those as Christians who have a positive outlook. We know who wins. We know that we are the victory, that we have the victory in Jesus Christ, that we're more than overcomers. So we have a hope and a future, but it doesn't change the fact that life just sometimes and it's hard. And it's difficult. And we can look at the world around us and go, Oh man, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We love to look to the victorious risen Christ, but we often quickly move past the crucifixion and the suffering servant. Why? Because it makes us feel bad. He hung on that cross for me. He did that for me. 
However, if we would avail ourselves to the prompting of the Holy Spirit during this season of reflection and repentance, I think the joy of Easter and our life in Christ would only be enhanced. Would only be enhanced. Now, we see the Spirit leading Jesus to the desert for 40 days. Now, have you ever sat there and wondered, the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted? I'm not going to go into that. But just know that sometimes when you are in certain seasons, it's not because you screwed up. It's because the Lord is bringing you through something. And it's okay. As we embark on this time of Lent, though, we think 40 days in the desert. Now we're 40 days going into Lent. This is kind of what it was brought forth about. We know that Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. And we see Jesus led into the wilderness for 40 days. To, to realize that he is frail and that he is human. Why? Because the time came when he was hungry. No kidding, 40 days. I think, you know, you get four hours and I'm hungry. So that's, you know, <laughs> like 40 days. Come on now. But we recognize that the Spirit is drawing us, hopefully you'll be open to this, into a greater depth of faith. Now often people give up something during these, something they enjoy during these 40 days. Um, I would not recommend that you go on a 40-day fast of no food. Now, I've had friends who have done that. Um, they didn't do it quite strictly, you know, like no food. They did some juice and whatnot along the way. But I don't think it's very healthy, just so you know. Um, but I do think it's healthy for us to go, you know, there's something I enjoy. Maybe I'm going to skip a, one meal a week, and I'm going to spend that 15, 20 minutes. Or if you're like me and you eat really fast, about five minutes, and you're going to pray for that time, or you're just going to reflect, you're going to read some scripture, or maybe you say, hey, one time a day, I'm going to, I'm going to turn off the TV of a show that I normally watch, or something, I'm not telling you what to do, I'm telling you, you should be open to say, what do I need to give up, and nothing great, I mean, it doesn't have to be this, I'm going to fast every Wednesday and Thursday, unless God's telling you to do that, then go ahead and do that, but if you come to our Lent service on Wednesday, it's going to be weird, because we have great soup, and so you don't want to necessarily not eat that. But some people skip a meal and they spend time reflecting upon Jesus and reading. Now we realize that the pleasures... Now some people say, hey, um, I used to make a joke. Um, I'm not a cigarette smoker, so I would say, hey, I'm giving up cigarettes for Lent. Which means nothing because like, I don't smoke anyway, so that's really... Good job, buddy. You know, so, but, but you know, something that you enjoy, and it doesn't have to be, again, it, only if the Spirit is prompting you. But I guarantee you, if you, if you find a time throughout, throughout the week where you're like, you know, I'm not going to do this normal activity, and for this moment, I'm going to just spend some time reflecting on the Lord, reading His Word, and praying, you will draw closer to the Lord. Because we realize that the pleasures of this world will not satisfy. They do for a while. I mean, we were talking about that earlier. I mean, I love a double quarter or double Western bacon cheeseburger from time to time. And for like 20 minutes when I'm just devouring that thing about every six weeks is when I really say I can't take it any longer. I'm going to have one. Um, I mean, I'm like, oh, this tastes so good. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I don't feel so good. Right. You, you know, and, and so um, I would say I'm giving up that for Lent, but I need to give those up all the way in, in general. So. But we, we realize that this world will not satisfy and that Jesus paid the price that we might have everlasting satisfaction in him only. Have you ever looked at it? He says everlasting life and he says that you might have joy, you might have it to the fullest, you might have life abundant. 
That comes from being satisfied in Jesus. Now, please understand that when you embark on an intentional journey led by the Spirit to draw closer to God by denying yourself some of the normal accommodations of this life, the devil is waiting and longing to tempt you to fall away from God and rely upon yourself and the things of this world rather than the sufficiency of Christ. 1 John 2, verses 16 and 17 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Now this does not say you can't enjoy some things that are in the world. But you should not love them. Your pursuit is Jesus Christ. Your pursuit is that you're a new person and that God gets all the glory. When we focus on the things of this world and we find all of our love and attention towards that, God gets pushed to the side and they will not satisfy because they are they are fading away. Jesus left the comfort of heaven and was led to the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now we are continually being drawn and tempted by the devil to love the things of this world more than God. And if you say, no, I never have that problem, you're a liar, so you need to be in church, come to the communion table later. I mean, that, that's the reality. Is It's like we, we find, if I just do this, I'll be happy. If I just get that vacation, if I just get that promotion, if I just, you know, you fill in the blank. The desires of the flesh are placed in front of us constantly. Even if you close your eyes, they're still there. We are barraged with the idea that we can satisfy the flesh and that we should pursue it at any cost. Media has just amplified this desires of the flesh. I mean, we can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. We have, we have people watching on Facebook right now, which is great, right? But just think about some of us. I think all of us. Ten years ago, would you think about watching church service online, live? No. I mean, we were starting to think about it, but it cost too much to get streaming in and all that stuff. And, and now it's just easy. You push up a button. Media is in our face. It tells us, do what feels good and do not let anyone tell you that you cannot have what you want. However, we understand Mick Jagger told us that you can't always get what you want. So, you know... What, what's, what's your message here, world, right? We are tempted, though, with the lust of the eyes. I want what somebody else has. What I have isn't good enough because someone has something better than I do. The flip side of that is the pride of life. We look at, at others and we think that our lives are better than them. You know, we think of the one man at the altar and this other beggar. You know, well, at least I'm not like that guy, right? We do that. We, we spiritually compare ourselves all the time to other people. That's wrong. Our, or we pursue power and position to find our identity and our social status or our work status. Well, I'm the supervisor of 20 people. I have arrived. Look at my big house. Look at the parties I can throw. Look at the boat that I have. You know, and I'm like, well, yeah, look at everything that you're paying every month for all that stuff, right? We can take any temptation, even the ones that we see Jesus have, and filter it through these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. What I love about God's word and how he has revealed and given us the means of grace through his word is that he has, if we would really just step back and strip some things away, it's very simple. I love that about music, well, with the exception of jazz and some classical. But most music, if you strip all the cool stuff they're doing around, is very simple. There's not a lot to it, but it's the creativity process that adds all these fun stuff to it and these different things that make it go, whoa, amazing. 
Because the stuff that's really abstract, there's only a handful of us that really appreciate it. I mean, like, good jazz, most people, like, oh, whatever, you know, I love it. I love it when they take me a different way than I was expecting. You know, that's just me. But um, I'm weird, and you all know that, so that's okay. <laughs> but ultimately, all these things claim that something else is better than what God has provided. I was in a church in, uh, um, in Northern California that said, we don't want to settle for any lesser joy than Jesus. And that's what we as a community are doing. We're trying to encourage one another to say that the only joy that is lasting and the best thing that you can have is Jesus. And that's the joy we're looking for. So as we launch into this time, this 40 days of spiritual reflection, and we, we pursue to draw closer to God, we will be faced with temptations. Thanks a lot, Kirk. What a great message. You're going to be tempted. Ha <laughs> ha. When we desire to grow in grace, when we desire to grow in gathering together, when we desire to grow in telling others about the love of Christ, we are faced with our own selfishness. And that was really what the the devil was tempting. Christ was like, you have some needs here. God says he'll take care of you. So just have that happen. Make that happen for yourself. When we ask God what what he's inviting us into every day, we discover that we might, you just might face the temptation to only be concerned with your own welfare and ignore those around us who are dying and need to know the peace of God. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, maybe some of you are familiar with this. Um, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Thank you. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, our escape is Jesus Christ. If we're being tempted, you know, we, we, we look to Christ because he was tempted in all things and yet did not sin. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. So if we're being tempted, if we could, and that's why we need to pray for one another. That's why we need to spend time with one another so that we can go, oh man, this is tough for me. You know, I'm going to pray for you. When we can endure the temptation, but not without understanding too the example that Jesus gave us. Every time that the devil tempted Jesus, what was his response? It is written. God has given us the ability to fight temptation through His Word. And He's so good to give it to us. So, I mean, I never want to put a guilt trip on you, but please take time to read God's Word. Take time to listen to God's Word. You know, if you, if you can't spend the time sitting down and reading, but you need to do other things, there's plenty of, of ways you can listen to God's Word. Please do it. The Word of God is the only way to combat the wiles of the, en- in, of the enemy. In His love, in Ephesians, He tells us He's given us a sword which is the word of God to slay the enemies of our soul. May we be people full of grace, but also full of truth because we have spent time in the word of God so that when temptations come, we're prepared. Because why? The Holy Spirit will bring those things to our remembrance. The next five weeks provide an opportunity to truly gain insight and clarity into the heart of God as we focus on Jesus and realize that we are utterly desperate without God. If you don't realize that, I pray that these next several weeks will prove that to you. We are so messed up and without hope if it were not for God. This is why we anticipate time at the Lord's table. Because we find the real presence of Christ there and the tangible experience of His gifts of forgiveness, acceptance, and peace. And if you're like me, you want to know that you know that you know that you're forgiven, that you're accepted, and that you're at peace with God. And there are times throughout this world where you'll be tempted throughout the week not to believe that, 
well, if I really believed it, then I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have thought that, or I wouldn't have done... Listen, temptation, by the way, is not the sin. It's what you do with the temptation. And the Holy Spirit is quick to help you. So let us take a moment and seek guidance from the Lord. Where does He want to take you these next several weeks? Is He calling you to grow in His grace and spend more time in prayer and the reading of His Word? Is He drawing you to commit to gathering more with His people Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights during the season? Is He prompting you to share your faith with someone? God is calling us ultimately to draw closer to Him and to realize our dependence upon His sufficiency in all matters. Now those are suggestions. I never want to say these are the things you have to do. But I want you to say, okay, Lord, you know, you've brought me to this place. You want me to know you more. I want to know you more. So help me to do that. So let's just take a moment of quiet as we reflect upon that. <laughs>